0: Welcome to
1: That's a Hard No, the podcast about saying no and setting boundaries so you can become the authentic and empowered you that this world needs. I'm Heather Drago and I'm Sarah Saunders. Before we start, a quick reminder. While I am a licensed professional clinical counselor, this podcast is in no way a replacement for one-on-one therapy with a mental health professional. If you notice the content in this podcast triggers some big feelings, visit our website hardnopodcast.com for mental health resources and other helpful links. Thanks, Sarah.
0: Okay, let's get this thing started. I'm so excited.
1: Hi, and welcome, Catherine Matice, strategic HR and workplace bullying expert. We want to allow you the chance to introduce yourself to our listeners. So can you start by just sharing a little bit about you and what you do?
2: Sure. I am the founder and CEO of Civility Partners. We are a consulting firm focused on building positive work environments. And just to give some background, I started Civility Partners right out of graduate school a long time ago. <laughs> um, I, uh, I was the director of HR working with a person who was essentially a bully, I felt like, and mm-hmm. he was pretty frustrating. And uh, I personally felt like one of his targets. I was one of several. And then as the director of HR, of course those others were coming to me for help and I wasn't able to help them because every time I'd go to the president to talk to him about it, he would say, oh, that's just how he is. Be the bigger person. Don't let it bother you and just kind of brush it off. And um, when I started graduate school, I was working there. My uh, degree is in communication, human communication. So um, my very first semester, I had a class called the dark side of communication, and we were learning about sibling rivalry, domestic violence, you know, the the communication that goes on in toxic environments, essentially. And um, I, of course, had to write a paper on something dark, dark human communication. So I thought, well, I'm going to, I'll just write a paper on this person. I am a little fascinated by it, as frustrating as he was, you know, what, why does he act that way? And why does the boss not step in? And how come nobody else, you know, there's 49 of us and one of him, how come no one's really arguing with him and setting him straight? No one's setting boundaries. Mm -hmm. Um, And so uh, I wrote a paper and just became very fascinated with that topic. And so I joke, I have a master's degree in workplace bullying. Everything (laughs) I did in graduate school was on that topic. And so Civility Partners was founded um, with all of that knowledge rolling around in my head.
1: (laughs) <laughs> wow. Well, I can't help but pause for a second, and two, my brain is going in two directions. The first one is, what was it like to feel so that your what you were trying to share was dismissed and minimized? Like, what was going on for you? And then the other thing, did you find by doing this writing was that therapeutic for you at all?
2: Yeah. Great question. So um, I. It bothered me that the president dismissed it. Um, I I will say, as frustrating as that one component was, he was actually a really great leader. So Mm -hmm. um, he was a good leader in so many other ways. And I think he was just conflict avoidant. And so it was easier for him to have that, like, well, just just leave it be. Don't force me to talk to him. I'm conflict avoidant, you know? So yes, it was bothersome. And it, it was exhausting because I then became the, the person, you know, I was taking in all of these complaints. I couldn't help those people. Um, and then also feeling bullied. And I I mean, I became very depressed. I started not performing and it definitely affected me. And then to your second question, 100 percent reading the academic research was very therapeutic and mm-hmm. Um, you know, of course I join Facebook groups and other types of chat areas around bullying. There's a lot of them. People who feel bullied find each other and they're there to support. Um, but one thing I've found in those areas is that because the experience is so awful, of course they're ruminating in the damage they're feeling and so the comments are things like, "Yep, today I got bullied again and no one cared." Mm-hmm. And it's like and I think that's probably fairly damaging. It's making it worse. Versus my experience was, I didn't know to even, you know, and this was a long time ago before we were even talking about bullying at work. Um, I, you know, I wasn't on the internet looking for um, other people going through it. So I was very sort of isolated. And so all of that is to say, yes. Reading the academic research was super therapeutic because I was learning about it from a very logical place versus other people going, Oh, yeah, that's awful. Your life's over. And like, mm-hmm. um, so I, I just, I guess I say all that to caution others. Make sure you're taking in advice from the right places um, mm-hmm. if you're feeling not good at work. (laughs) We talk
1: a lot about making sure we're doing our due diligence by doing some of that homework. Mm -hmm. I think you just, you provide such a beautiful message that sometimes that best work and our mission comes from our personal experience. Absolutely. So can we back up for a minute, back to the beginning and
0: actually explain or describe what workplace bullying is? Because I know it takes a lot of different forms.
2: Sure. Um, Workplace bullying is pervasive, ongoing abuse at work in its simplest definition. Um, One way to describe it is that it's the same behavior as harassment. Mm -hmm. The Mm -hmm. only difference between those two behaviors is who you aim them at. We all know what harassment is. Um, And if you aim your bullying or if you harass everyone, if you're an equal opportunity harasser, you're well within your legal rights to do that in the United States. Um, and so that's the loophole for any bulliers out there. Just make sure you pick on everyone and you'll be fine. Um, and versus <laughs> harassment is about you know race, religion. So if you aim that harassment and or bullying behavior at a specific group, it becomes harassment and that's illegal. Um, so just to share a little more, I have noticed that bullying behaviors always fall into three categories. The first category is aggressive communication, stuff that we can see, nasty emails, yelling, mm-hmm. aggressive body language, stuff that we all look at and go, oh, that, you know, that was aggressive. Um, the second category is humiliation, so um, leaving people out of meetings that they should be in so they're left without information they need, um, sarcastic jokes that are meant to poke fun at someone. Um, Leaving them out of, you know, isolating them, um pointing out mistakes in public. So doing things that humiliate this person. And then the third mm-hmm. bucket or category is manipulation. So, um using uh, performance reviews to claim that this per- target is not a good performer, um, giving someone so much work, it's impossible for them to complete it. You know, hey, this report's due by the end of the day today, when really it's a five day project or taking, responsibilities from someone so if big part of your role is um i don't know linkedin posts for your company and all of a sudden that's taken away from you without any explanation you're kind of left going well why did that happen so aggressive mm. communication humiliation and manipulation
1: and just to clarify so bullying and harassment are not interchangeable or they are
2: well i I would say they are 100% interchangeable. The law does not see it that way. So, you know, it's only illegal if it's aimed at a specific category of people.
1: And how prevalent is workplace bullying? There were some statistics that workplace bullying is searched on average 10,000 times per month in the U.S.
0: Yeah, I dropped that in the script last night when I was researching. I was like,
2: Holy cow!
0: But I know you have other statistics.
2: So the academic research from uh, or on workplace bullying is from around the world. In um, the U.S. is actually this is one place we're super far behind. Mm-hmm. Um, most of the research comes out of the uh, U.K., Europe, Australia, um, and we're we're way behind on that. So. You know, I've seen research where where it's like in this specific industry, 95% of people have experienced it, or um, there's research out of the U.S. from the Workplace Bullying Institute that's quite, it's old research now, but they were saying 50, I think it was 54% of people have experienced bullying either as a target or as a witness where they've seen it happening at work. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel like every single person I meet along the way when I say what I do, everyone's got a story. I, I mean, I could almost, you know, argue that 100% of us have at least dealt with some sort of toxic something
0: mm-hmm, <laughs> at work. Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> yeah. So that that's the answer. We don't really know, um, because the research is really all over the map.
0: Right. And so sometimes it's peer to peer, and sometimes it's superior to a subordinate. I've also seen it go the other way, where a subordinate's been a bully towards a, a supervisor, and that's... And, and like, what do you do? Like, it's just so crazy.
2: And that was that was my situation. The This was another director. So he was my peer bullying me. He also picked on people beneath him. And he I felt I don't I wouldn't say bullied, but he definitely didn't treat the president very well, I felt he would kind of like this, like the president would say something in a meeting and he would go, oh, that's not that's not what we talked about. That's that's wrong. You know, kind of like that calling out mistakes in public kind of a thing or kind of some public shaming. Um, But you are right. Most the majority of it is manager to subordinate because of that. The power differential makes it easy, Um, but it certainly can't be peer to peer or peers up.
1: As you're speaking on this, I'm just, I'm a deep processor, Catherine, and you will learn that through our time together. And, (laughs) And just that, you know, everyone sees things through their own eyes, right? And so depending on how sensitive you are to things or, you know, your upbringing or whatever it is, sometimes we may think that we're being bullied or being criticized when really it's maybe constructive criticism or feedback. And so sometimes it's not super obvious. And so I'm wondering, like, do you have any specific things or insight in how to tell if a workplace is in fact toxic, if it is bullying, or like key signs to kind of look for?
2: Yeah, you know, I um, I get that question a lot, for example, with performance reviews, like, hey, if you're just trying to hold someone accountable to poor behavior and, or poor performance and they're pushing back, it, you know, no, it's not bullying. Mm-hmm. Um, one way is those three buckets I said, those three categories, aggressive communication, manipulation, humi- and humiliation, um, it's bullying if it's all three of those things. So mm-hmm. if someone's just snippy sometimes, you know, the aggressive communication, now and again, that's not bullying. Or if someone's trying to hold you accountable and and you may feel sort of manipulated, hey, I'm not a bad performer and they're saying I am. But if they're not doing the other stuff, that's not bullying. It's something going on there related to that relationship. So that's one way is to consider how far is this. Um, Also, if there's several people who feel that way, that's a good, you know, if you can kind of perception check with Mm -hmm. others. Hey, I feel like our boss picks on me, is it just me or do you feel like he's picking on me or she's picking on me? Um, So you could kind of, you know, perception check, ask others what they're seeing.
1: That can be really intimidating, you know, Mm -hmm. for someone to be vulnerable, you know, in that sense. And so are there any things that if someone... Is afraid to speak up or maybe is worried oh my gosh i don't feel safe in this environment like how would you encourage them to go around that
2: that is a key component part you know this is happening in the context of the workplace and so unfortunately there there's there's more to your question so mm-hmm. um as you said we all have individual tolerance levels for negative behavior. Some of us have tolerance levels for scary movies and some of us don't. Similar concept, right? Some of us can tolerate you know, heavy criticism and we're fine, others not. All of that's happening inside of a team that's inside of an organization. So, The part of the answer to your question is related to how the organization has managed other complaints. So Mm -hmm. um, for, for example, civility partners, one of the things we do is coach leaders who have been accused of toxic behavior. And you might ask why, why not just fire them? Well, they're often seen as very valuable. So we might as well try to help them be better as opposed to forcing organizations, to, organizations aren't firing these people, mm-hmm. they're productive so we can try to make it better. Um, so, but if you have someone, you know, the VP of marketing is super mean and everybody knows it and he's allowed to do that, then nobody's gonna be reporting bad behavior or harassment or anything else to HR because they can see it doesn't matter that, hey, this person gets results and apparently that's all we care about here at this workplace. So the the answer is directly related to how HR, how the organization is managing poor behavior. If you have an organization focused on civility and respect, certainly it's a lot more psychologically safe feeling to go and say, hey, this person's acting this way. So that, that's what Civility Partners does is essentially help create environments that are civil and respectful. So that bad behavior stands out like a sore thumb and it's not tolerated. You know, that's the goal, the The opposite of bad behavior.
1: <laughs> and I, I love what I'm hearing because it's not just cutthroat of like, okay, you did this, but it's more of, you know, I wanna teach you the skills to ensure that we're changing these patterns so it doesn't persist possibly in a, another position, but more of we're human. And so, okay, we notice this isn't working. Here's some feedback that we received. You have a chance to learn these tools and skills that often we never learned growing up. Right. And then right. it's kind of on that person to decide, do I want to change? Exactly. Yeah, I think sometimes some people don't even realize
0: they're bullying,
2: maybe, I would say most of them don't realize bullying.
0: And so what causes people to bully, especially in the workplace?
2: Uh, I got a a good answer for you. There's kind of three things happening there. One is that they are lacking some serious self-esteem and that comes from a pattern of fighting for self-esteem and fighting for competence over time. So the reason people engage in bullying is that they are super, super focused on competence and success for themselves and ironically for their team and the organization. Um, And so this hyper awareness around competence and, you know, they're sort of overcompensating for lack of self-esteem. It comes from a world of having, they've been fighting for something their whole life. And so they've lost their way. Um, Just to give you some examples and, and this thing about fighting their whole life, it's not from the academic research, it's from my experience coaching. They always have this story of fighting for something. One guy grew up in the south side of Chicago, basically grew up you know, fighting for his life on the streets. Um, one woman came to the US not speaking English at all. She was the fifth child. She was a woman in China, basically grew up eating whatever was left from dinner after her four siblings and parents ate. Um, She was a girl, so not necessarily the most important child. You know, she came here, learned English, worked her way up to a PhD. She'd been fighting for something. Mm -hmm. I coached a doctor who was the only woman in medical school, not to mention the only single mom, you know, back then women weren't doctors. So um, they all have this kind of story of like trying to overcome something. And so I'm convinced that's part of it, that they're because of whatever's gone on in their life, they've not been able to build their self-esteem they're focused on being seen as competent and having self-esteem and so when people threaten that ability to be competent that's when they lash out so my coaching is actually based totally on fight or flight and it's such a simple model but um, just helping them realize that, you know, you don't have to fight anymore. You're the VP or the CEO or the whatever. Like, you're good. People don't, people think you're competent. Yeah. <laughs> Even <it> be. <laughs> well,
1: and, and to just piggyback off that for a second, it's important to acknowledge that that fight did serve them. It got them to where they are, but then bringing their awareness to, you know the nervous system that fight flight freeze or fawn that has served us now we have to detach ourselves and recognize we don't need that thank it for what it did but that it doesn't have to be in this new workplace position
2: it, well and the other thing is that not only served them they've been encouraged to do it right mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. in the mm-hmm. in their careers they've been because they're so capable in getting results They've been rewarded for that behavior in their mind, you know, that they've been um, promoted and be see- receiving raises. No one's really told them not to. Um, and I will add to so, part of my coaching process is to interview 15 people that work with this individual. And then I take all my interview notes and I move them all into themes and, you know, make sure it's confidential. So they know who I interviewed, but they don't know who said what. And so it's all in themes. Everybody's words are in these different bullet points inside the themes. Uh, and they're often very appalled that this is how they're viewed. So that's a big moment and why I'm able to coach. Most of them are like, oh my gosh, help me. I I wouldn't wanna work with me either. I can't believe the organizations let me get this bad. And so mm-hmm. they, mm-hmm. they're empathetic. They just didn't understand how serious the impact of their behavior was.
1: All right, we're gonna take a short break.
0: And we're back with Katherine Matisse. So, Katherine, what happens in a workplace culture when there's a bully? Like, what happens to coworkers, employees, the environment in general?
2: Yep. So, the research is very clear. People at the receiving end of that behavior can experience depression, anxiety. They're very confused about why this is happening in their adult world. You know, that stuff's for kids um, they're confused as to why nobody's really stepping in They're so they feel isolated um, they can develop PTSD um, suicidal ideations and in some cases suicide mm-hmm. lots of research supporting that it damages marriages because the be- people who are targeted become fairly obsessed with it because they're so you know this is their workplace this is part of our self-esteem and self-construct is what we do for work so it's tearing away at people um they so it can damage marriages there's divorces related to that there's lots of research that it can have physical repercussions um you know headaches can't sleep all of that so um and then of course witnesses experience those things to a lesser degree but it's not psychologically safe for them so they're also stressed out you know am i next and certainly they're not stepping in because they don't want to be next um so it it's very damaging mm-hmm. Wow
0: and what about the, those are individuals but what about to the culture itself is are there any statistics around you know teams what happens to a team
2: well so Google came out with some research I think it was in 2018 where they had researched their own teams what were the most effective teams doing what were the characteristics and the number one um, piece was psychological safety and so of course if there's bullying um, or harassment, then there is no psychological safety. So the the individuals are not as innovative. They la- care less about customer service. They're you know, there's no morale. They're less loyal. So of course, that translates into costs for the organization, um, turnover. Lots of research right now that the great resignation was not people deciding to go off and start that yoga studio that they've always wanted to. It's a toxic work environment. That's the number one reason people were leaving. Mm-hmm. That, and that's a challenge because, you know, when I'm, for example, in my kind of sales process to either coach or do a workforce survey to figure out how toxic the organization is and what we need to address. You know, my budget or my proposal has a number on it that goes on the P&L um, versus this abstract notion that turnover costs money. And I mean, it's common sense. If people are happy, they're going to perform better. And if they're not happy, it's going to cost you money. Um, there's plenty of leaders out there that don't understand that.
1: Yeah. I'm curious if you could walk us through a little bit what it would look like if you were coaching someone who may have been, the flag went up, they needed to talk to someone. Can you walk us through what that process looks like?
2: Sure. So the narrative is generally that this person's been toxic for quite a while. HR has been attempting to get permission from the C-suite or the CEO to solve it. Um, And the CEO has been hesitant because they're so valuable, they're bringing in money or whatever. So HR is in that position that I was in, I can't help it or make change. And then there's some sort of catalyst that causes the CEO to just finally go, okay, I get it, there's a risk here where either somebody files a harassment complaint or um, maybe some other valuable person leaves and cites, I just didn't wanna work with that person anymore. So there's something that happens where the CEO finally says, "Okay, let's get some resources. I'm brought on to coach. And so initially, this person's forced into coaching. And I coach the CEO about how to talk about it. And Mm -hmm. essentially, the message is, I've allowed you to act this way for a long time. I can't anymore. I got to draw a line. And so I got to put a consequence in place, and I don't take coaching clients if there isn't a consequence in place. Mm. Um, and that's because the this person needs to understand this is not just some training program, and then you can go back to how you were. We're drawing a line,
1: a boundary. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. There's a consequence in place. However, I don't want to implement the consequence. I think you can change, and so I found you a resource, a coach who specializes in the kind of behavior you've been engaging in. So then I meet with the individual. They're Fairly, you know, they're not too happy at that moment. And I say, hey, well, all I know is what HR told me. That's all you know. Let's let's do some research. So I get their permission to interview 15 people. They make the introductions to those people. Mm -hmm. Like I said, I put all my interview notes into themes. I read those themes to the individual one by one. So it's like a 15 to 20 page document. Theme number one: You embarrass people or shame people in public, and then I read the 15 bullet points that where people said that. And then, you know, theme number two: You yell. Here's the bullet points. Um, And so that's a pinnacle moment for them. And then I start coaching. So the very next session um, is when we talk about the fight or flight model, and I help them see that hey, this all of this says you're fighting. You know, the fact that you yell that's a fight behavior. So we got to talk about what you're anxious about. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it's about helping them reduce their anxiety and also the anxiety of others. I talk to them about, you know, like when we see this theme that people have special processes to work around you so they don't have to interact with you, they're fleeing. So that means they're anxious. So what are they anxious about? And so it's all about that. It's really helping them adjust their communication style. And then I re-interview everyone after about three months of coaching and often find they've made quite a bit of change. So that's always exciting.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Wow. So on the opposite end of the spectrum, mm-hmm. the person being bullied, what can they do to stand up for themselves or draw a boundary or um, you know address the situation? It's legal in the United States to bully it's- sadly. So what what recourse do people have, especially if they're in a small company and they don't have an HR department?
2: Yeah. So the first thing is the minute somebody crosses a boundary with you, stand up for yourself. It is way easier to ask someone to stop interrupting you in meetings or to stop rolling their eyes when you speak in meetings than it is to, you know, a year later, talk to them about how that behavior is escalated and try to get them to stop it a year later. So Mm -hmm. all about boundaries, set that boundary. And actually the research really supports if you push back early, everyone likes the path of least resistance. So they'll leave you alone. If you continue to push back, they'll pick on others. Not, you know, it's not not great, but at least (laughs) you're safe. But if you're already in the bullying situation, um, a couple tips, one, document, document, document keep track of the who, what, when, where, why, where was it? What were you talking about? Who saw all of that? Um, so that you can give that information to HR should you decide to file a complaint or your office manager, if you're in a small company, the owner, maybe whoever you're gonna give it to. I would also recommend trying to talk to this person about it. It's hard, but to take a deep breath and approach it from a collaborative place. Cause you, if you go in there, you're bullying me, you know, that it's just not gonna work. So. Use all of everything you know about conflict resolution and collaboration and have a conversation to say, I feel you treat me a certain way. Here are some examples. You know, can we talk about it and really approach like I would like for us to figure out how we can work together better if that conversation doesn't work? And I suspect it will not um, when you file your report with H.R. or the owner, if you're in a small company, whoever it is. It's a much better version to go there and say, this has been happening for a while. I tried to solve it on my own and I've been unsuccessful. And so that's why I'm asking for your help versus they pick on me. Have you tried to resolve it? No, can you, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. so it's better. Um, But a couple other tips, and I hate to give this advice and I used to hesitate because I felt like, oh my gosh, who am I to say this? But if you file a complaint, and talk to your employer about it and they're not solving it, leave. That's the advice because they're making it very clear that they don't care. And so because what we do for work is so important to us and we we don't wanna feel like we failed, We I gave up, I'm the one who left, forget all that. Protect yourself. You're the only one who can protect your dignity. Um, and they're telling you that they don't care about you by not stepping in. So don't you don't want to work for somebody who doesn't care about you. Leave.
1: A couple things I just want to sprinkle in based on what you said, and I appreciate everything you're sharing. Um, for those listening, just remember on our website, we do have a, a script that actually it's, you know, I feel and you fill it out because what the reason is what we need that person to do and then how that would make us feel. I do a lot of couples work and so working with any type of conflict or confrontation I really like to reframe to remember that if you're noticing you're feeling conflict and everyone knows you'll feel it in your body. Our body does keep score. Acknowledge that, but really shift the conflict, reframe it to the connection piece or the collaboration. Because Mm -hmm. when we think of conflict, absolutely, our nervous system goes into overdrive, and we're in that fight, flight, freeze, or fawn state. And so if we can acknowledge this is what's happening, I need to find connection. I need to collaborate because you're not supposed to have to do this on your own. When it comes to the dysfunction in the workplace that you're sharing, or whether it's a a toxic relationship of any sort, the leaving is important. If you feel as though you're feeling dismissed, you're feeling minimized, you're feeling criticized, mm-hmm. and even the gaslighting can happen mm-hmm. where it really starts to make you question those things. And so, if you find yourself in that position, mm-hmm. take some good deep breaths to help yourself, you know, regulate and then really think of your intuition. What is your true intuition? You know, kind of ignoring all of the outside noise, the other authority figures. And what is it that you're feeling? And is this an environment that is going to allow you to be your best self? Or is it gonna constantly make you be someone that can't do what it is that you need to do?
2: Yes, 100%. I'll I'll add to the National Workplace Bullying Coalition is a a coalition that I founded with some others. It's a nonprofit focused on making workplace bullying illegal in the United States. Um, And we collected stories from people where the the goal was you know i i would say i'm i got a great life i was bullied and i figured it out i spent some time researching this and understanding it and now i have a life that i'm very passionate about you know i make enough money to support myself and my family so i would say i'm successful so i started contemplating like are there other people like me there has to be because the conversation online is so gloom and doom if you're being bullied your life is over all this stuff. So I w- I wondered where are other people like me, and I want to understand you know post traumatic growth versus post traumatic stress, and um, so I put out a call for you know if you've been bullied and consider yourself successful at this point, send me your story, and so we have a book um, called Stand Up Speak Out Against Workplace Bullying. All the sales go to the coalition, um, and it's the the key in those three or those 23 stories that are in there. One theme I saw very clearly is that everybody made a decision that they were taking back their power. And it looked different for everyone. Some people, they did quit, but it was like the way they quit was was different. It wasn't, I guess I'm going to leave. It was like, you know, I want to say a bad word, but I won't. But, you know, you know, the, that <laughs> stuff, you know. forget you. I'm
0: out. Take this job and shove it.
2: Yeah. yeah, yeah. pretty much. This one woman <laughs> talked about how like there was just kind of one final last straw and she like had all of these keys for different doors. And I could just envision she picked the keys up, walks over to her boss and like holds up her hand and drops them on the desk right in front of him. I quit and walks out. Um, versus another woman who she's lesbian, black, a woman, PhD in the military. Um, so she decided, you know, she had lots of strikes against her in that very machismo culture. Um, she decided, I'm going to stay here and fight. And she's the Martin Luther King of that environment that she's in and so she's taking that on but it's a decision she's made to fight Mm -hmm. Um, and so she has the power now it's like bring it on i'll just file another complaint i'm happy to talk about it you know publicly and let's go ahead go keep doing it i actually got fired which is a pretty standard um, thing that happens to targets because our performance drops and then you're you're not a performer so you get fired and i went on to get another job and then i got laid off in the recession and that was my pinnacle taking back power i came home from that conversation of being laid off opened my laptop bought a website and started making a business on a website like could i really do this and like crafted a business on a website. Okay, now the website's there. I guess I got to do this. Um, So that was my decision, taking back my power. So um, that's the key. And with toxic relationship as well, you have to decide, Mm -hmm. I'm not doing this anymore. And then whatever taking your power back looks like, you got to do it.
0: Mm -hmm. So what about business leaders? Besides hiring you, of course, (laughs) (laughs) what can employers or business leaders or organizational leaders do to encourage civil workplaces?
2: core. I'll pick on core values. There's a lot of simple answers. One is core values. Lots of organizations have them, but they don't use them. Um, so core values are, you know, we have anti-harassment policies, but we don't have corporate policies requiring people to be respectful. So that's where core values come in. So don't do this, all of that stuff's in the corporate policy, but do this, that's the core values. Leaning on those core values and really they got to be pushed into every nook and cranny of the organization. Managers should be talking about them in staff meetings. Um, Employees should be bringing them up often, um, you know, reward systems around it. People should be measured on the core values. Um, So that's one. Um, Another one is just making a very clear stance of like, we're not, I'm not going to allow this kind of behavior anymore. You know, we've, we're going to implement core values. We're going to hold people accountable to it. We're, we're not going to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, One other key, because not every leader is prepared to stand up and take that stance. One, you know, kind of ninja way to get at behavior is to train the managers to step in when they see poor behavior. So that's, you know, a lot of times managers are promoted because they're good at their jobs. We all know we're supposed to do performance management around um, performance. You know, are you on time? Do you meet your goals, all the KPIs and stuff? Um, but managers aren't often told, you should also be measuring people on respect. So how do you coach someone who's gossiping? How do you coach someone who's overly sarcastic and hurtful in their jokes? Um, that's a key component. If if mm-hmm. managers could just have that information, um, that would be a game changer.
0: I'm so happy you talked about having your core values on my website. I have them listed as the band rules Mm -hmm. and it says, so you want to join the band here are the rules. And it's basically very simple stuff. You know, it's, you know, no bullshit, do the work, be kind, you know, no divas. That's a big one. To me, a diva is a bully Mm -hmm. and um, I just don't, I don't allow it. You know, I've had divas on my team who have bullied other people. They don't work with me anymore. So um I just I love that you're talking about encouraging positive behavior with
1: one thing that I wanted to add, because I can't help it as I'm like raising four boys, I'm raising the next generation. And so Mm -hmm. for those that are listening that have little ones, it's really important to teach them about bullying and to teach them just like you were saying, we know what not to do, but really taking time to ensure here are things that we should be doing, practicing those things In the home, so they can build those skills. So then, when it comes to them, and I can't even start to think about my kids, you know, graduating and, you know, all of that and being in the workplace, but they'll have that foundation.
2: Yes, that's, and that's what we do at Civility Partners. Let's teach the opposite of bullying and Mm -hmm. same at home. Let's teach the opposite. Let's teach emotional intelligence and respect and civility. Yeah, absolutely.
0: So we get this question from people sometimes about setting boundaries and it has to do with setting boundaries at work. And so I just wanted to get your take on, you know, setting boundaries, whether it's work-life balance, um, you know, establishing when you will or will not work or what you will or will not do, or how to say no to your boss. Um, What are your thoughts?
2: You know, I I think there's a... Problematic thinking that pushing back on your boss means you're being insubordinate or something Mm -hmm. forget that you get to set boundaries And um, I think you owe it to yourself to set boundaries and ensure people respect them and you also owe it to others to hear out their boundaries and respect their boundaries so Mm -hmm. um, The minute someone says something to you or you know fires off a little nasty email and cc's other people to embarrass you um respond and i might i would respond to everyone if they are including people just to say hey um this you know i feel this email is inappropriate i'm happy to talk to you more about it um and just to keep pushing back and the more that you do that the more people see you as an ally so that if they're also being picked on they can start to gain the courage to push back also I'll tell you a story. I had a, a boss, I made a huge mistake at a, at a company, the one right after where the bully was, um, a big mistake with a client and the um, boss, he was abrasive. He wasn't a bully, but he wasn't like huggy, squishy either. Um, he, uh, he sent out an email and CC'd pretty much every single person in the office about the mistake. Ooh. And I hit reply to all. And I, cause I, setting a boundary, I just came from a crappy place. I'm not doing this here. I hit reply to all because he involved everyone. And I said, yes, I made a mistake. Here are the four options I recommend for me to solve it. I'd love for you to tell me which option to choose. And I'm happy to talk to you about it more in your office with the door closed. And I hit send and he came out of his office and he comes like, it was a big bullpen. He opens Mm -hmm. the door and starts coming towards me down the hall. Great email, Catherine, put the hammer down. And so I pushed back, and he never did that to me again. Um, You know, so you are allowed to set boundaries, and you should. I actually have a script I can send you, and you can you know attach it in the show notes. We have sixteen scripts for um, being an ally, but also an ally for yourself. You know, kind of different versions of ways to push back without being maybe so hammer the way that I was. Um, For example, asking a question if someone's yelling to just say. I'm curious why you're yelling um, as a way to call it out. So there are lots of ways to push back without, um, Mm -hmm. you know, if you're afraid to kind of do that route that I took, um, there's other ways.
0: (laughs) That's fantastic. We'll definitely uh, link to that on our website. Thank you. Yeah. Well,
1: Catherine, we so appreciate your time and just your perspective on all of this. Where can people find you? And tell us about the three books you've written.
2: Yep, so I'm at civilitypartners.com. I'm also on LinkedIn, of course. I also have several LinkedIn learning courses. If you, um, I release them for free sometimes if you don't have a subscription to LinkedIn Learning. Um, lots of what we've talked about is in there. Um, my first book is called Back Off, Your Kick-Ass Guide to Ending Bullying at Work. That is a book, if you feel targeted, um, pick that book up. It's kind of explains what's all happening, why you're being picked on, why they're doing it. Um, and then my second book is called Seeking Civility. That's a book for leaders and managers. It's essentially nine steps for turning your workplace around. And then that most recent book is Stand Up, Speak Out, the one with the stories from people who were bullied and are now successful. And they've got a lot of advice for you um, in that book.
1: You've been busy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah fantastic we will definitely link to all of that on our website and um thank you so much what great information um you really got me thinking about being a the leader you know that i want to have um you know for my organization and um i'm sure i will have questions for you in the yeah, future. Reach out. Yeah. Reach out.
2: thank you for having me
0: thank you Okay, so that's it for today. Thank you so much
1: for listening. What questions do you have about boundaries? We wanna show up for you. We're listening, so please let us know what topics you want us to talk about and send us your questions. If you have a good no story to tell, we wanna hear it. Message us on our social channels or send us an email from our website, com, or you can email at hardnopodcast.com
0: Visit our website hardnopodcast.com for this episode's show notes past episodes, downloadables and links to resources Also you'll find
1: links to each of our websites, clevergirlmarketing.com and purposefulgrowthandwellness.com And like I mentioned before, make sure to get in touch with us on social. If you're not following us, be sure to follow us. We're at Hard No Podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.
0: And please do us a huge favor. If you like what you heard here, Please subscribe, rate, and review our podcast wherever you listen so others can
1: find us too. Thanks to our friends and families, our villagers, for listening and your continued support. That's a Hard No is a joint production of Clever Girl Marketing and Purposeful Growth and Wellness. Marketing and Production Coordinator, Mara Del Rosario. Production Support,
0: Evergreen Podcasts, Noah Fouts, Producer. Music by
1: Gigi Riggs. Until next time, thanks for listening. And remember, saying no isn't just okay. Saying no is the key to living an authentic, fulfilling life. So do it. Find your no, then say it unapologetically. That's a hard no.
0: Hi.